is it more likely that these excess deaths are due to vaccine injury or is it more likely they're due to COVID injury? And all of it really together points towards an issue with some part of the treatment and the elephant in the room is, is vaccines. Hello everyone, today I'm joined by Dr. James Boswell to discuss an analysis he's performed comparing the post-pandemic excess mortality rate to the vaccine uptake rate across various countries. I kept this one short as I would really like people to go and read James's post and see the graph he's produced. There's a link in the info box. I start out by asking James what gave him the idea to do this analysis. I was watching the John Campbell one of his latest updates, um, he's been covering the subject of excess deaths um, on a quite a regular basis. He started looking at differences between different countries. What he was looking at was how the level of excess deaths, which isn't trailing off in a lot of countries, as you'd expect it might, seems to be higher in countries that are, as he puts it, more affluent. There's also a correlation, a loose correlation, but some kind of correlation between affluence and vaccine uptake. And so basically, um, he's been talking about this for, for oh, I don't know, perhaps a year. But he, he, he was kind of honing in more on this question of what are the differences between nations in particularly Western Europe compared to nations in Eastern Europe? specifically, what he was finding was that excess deaths in Western European countries seem to be um, sustaining a higher uh, level than uh, rates of excess deaths in what you think of as poorer Eastern uh, European countries where the excess deaths have basically disappeared again. You know, the, the levels returned back to close to zero. Like pre-pandemic levels, essentially what you would expect. Pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic, yes, um, exactly. So, I mean, the there's a lot of noise in this data, as you'd expect. I mean, you know, all the data is bouncing up and down. So you're kind of looking at uh, where's the, you know, if you could find a kind of average baseline for this, I suppose. In terms of the Western countries, they seem to be running at levels around 10, maybe higher percent. I would say, and the Eastern European countries have returned back down to, to you know, bouncing around zero, basically. This is, by the way, these are excess death figures compared to a five-year average. Yeah, excluding the, the pandemic, so it would be the five-year average prior to the pandemic period, right, because where things went haywire. Well, specifically, the, the, the data that, that I used to plot the graph, I, I selected, and the way I did this was I looked for the turning point, basically, which is, you know, approximately post-pandemic. You can't, you know, it's not an absolutely clear-cut point, but it appears that most of the graphs seem to flatten out around uh, March uh, last year, so March 2022. So that was the, the point I picked, which means that basically there's 18 months approximately data, isn't there, from there to here. And I collected all of that data from this site, Our World in Data and try to establish an average based because this is bouncing around there is noise in this data so i try to establish an average across that 18 months some of the countries don't have data right up to the present so i i just took as much as i could for each country basically so that was obviously a, a selection on my part but it was 
based absolutely on what I was seeing in terms of these excess death curves for each of the nations, which seem to be flattening out, like I said, around that point, which is basically where you kind of expect really sort of post-pandemic. Right. And then basically I collected data for the percentage vaccine uptake for the same nations. And that was for people who'd taken a full course, full original course. Mm -hmm. Those were the two data sets that basically, I, it took quite a bit of effort to put the first one together, the excess deaths, because I had to collect so many points, one for each month was what I did. And then I collected one, there was obviously just one data point for the percentage vaccine uptake and simply averaged the percentage excess deaths to try and find, like I say, what they kind of, you know, there's this noise and it's kind of bouncing around what is an underlying baseline, essentially. So I'm trying to establish what that is really. And then for each nation, I just plotted a very straightforward graph. It was just percentage excess deaths over that period against percentage vaccine uptake for the populations. And each point on the graph is a different nation, basically. And I tried to do this for a wide selection. I pretty much tried to do every country. Some of the times I couldn't find the data for parts. So um, that's some of, some of the gaps are for that. I also just missed a couple by carelessness on my part. But the important point is I didn't select any of these data, any of these countries for, for any other reason than, than they just, they just seem to be countries that needed to be included within the comparison. So um, there is room for expanding this a little bit, which I would encourage. I mean, I'm very much encouraging people to. Okay, but you didn't have any selection criteria that would in any way bias this towards, I'm not sure how it would, but mm. you did, there was. Yeah, my selection criteria were very simple. I, I picked countries from what we would probably call the collective West. Mm -hmm. and so I picked European countries, America, Canada, Australia, I think. And I also put in Japan. Now, the idea was just to pick out countries that would be using vaccines that were primarily mRNA vaccines. Okay. So I didn't want to contaminate the data with other sets of vaccines, like the ones that China developed or, mm -hmm. you know, went to South America and so on. That was the only thing in my selection criteria, just to stick to the kind of Western, specifically, mostly, I know we used AstraZeneca, but mm -hmm. uh, mostly we used mRNA vaccines. So those were the ones I was sort of trying to get a handle on, really. Okay. I'll ask you a bit more of a study in a moment, but what, what does it look like when you put this data in? I was just interested to see if using this very direct and simple approach, you could see a correlation. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a first step in, in trying to sure. get your head around something like this to me. It's just like, can you just find a correlation? So I'm looking at the graph, but do you want to describe what correlation you saw? Yeah. If you've got a graph of two variables, let's call them X and Y, as we usually do. So Y is on the vertical axis and X is on the horizontal axis is the usual way of doing these things. On my vertical axis, on my Y axis, I've got percentage excess deaths. On the X axis, I've got percentage vaccine uptake. If there's no correlation between these things at all, then what you would expect is a cloud of points. Um, that kind of have no directionality to them really and maybe it flattens out you know so you would expect the line through them to the best fit line this is to be maybe horizontal if there was some negative correlation then that the line would basically run kind of downhill if you're walking from left to right along yeah. the graph 
so it would look like a kind of downhill slope. What I got was very much a positive uphill slope, which indicates that there does appear to be a quite clear correlation between these two things. Yeah, and that, that's obviously striking on the graph. So there is this this correlation. What did you think of in terms of what else could be causing that? And I'm just going to throw somewhat silly. Mm. Um, well, but with the concept of correlation, not meaning causation. So, for example, mm. let's just say wealthier countries have more elderly people, okay, and therefore uh, they vaccinated more, and elderly people are dying more. So that's why you, you have this. Now, I'm not I'm not putting that forward as a serious kind of criticism, but how did you think of the kind of the the problem? that arises from correlation and causation? No, I mean, these are all valid points. As I say, it is very much a first attempt at something like this. I mean, you, you could do it by age differences, potentially, as well, you know, if you could get the data. I don't know where you... <laughs> I, I was limited to what data I could get. I mean, if I was, if I could have sort of chosen perfectly, I would have perhaps have chosen, like, uh, you know, only people up to the age of 50 or something to, to get around a problem like that. Um, obviously, I was just working with full po populations. All I can do is presume that, that those sort of things probably average out. Certainly the correlation I was getting just seemed too remarkable, really, to be accountable in those ways. But I'm not, I'm not dismissing the absolute possibility. Right. There may be something like that hidden in the data, but I'm not able to analyse in that kind of detail, I suppose. I'm, I'm only doing a first approximation to try and just look for some evidence that, I mean, what, what are the possibilities here? We, we've either, it's what you say really, it's either, firstly, that this, the, all, these, all of these deaths are, on, are basically non-COVID deaths. Why would you have excess deaths at all? I mean, really, the, the data points should all be on the x-axis. You know, there should be no percentage excess deaths, really, across the board. That's the first thing, I think. <laughs> you know, we're, we're asking the question, why are these even up here at all, you know? Um, because what's actually causing these deaths? I mean, that's really the big question. Okay, well, what ideas are put forward in more mainstream media? But I don't, I know this is obviously something that's not really spoken about in the mainstream, the fact that the, this excess death crisis, which was the thing that convinced us all we needed to lock down three years ago, is suddenly not a problem at all. And we don't even need really to talk about it. It gets very occasionally mentioned. What I hear put forward is things like, well, it's strain on the NHS in the UK, okay, is all the, all those missed cancer diagnoses during lockdown have come back to haunt us, or the funding just isn't there anymore because we've, we've blown all the money furloughing people. So now there are huge waiting lists for the NHS. And that, you know, if, if all countries have blown their money on lockdowns, that does certainly make a good degree of sense to me that um, you, you would be seeing the strain on medical systems having that effect. But you wouldn't also expect to see a correlation with the vaccine rate. So what kind of uh, explanations have you heard for this excess death spike where, well, I mean, I say spike, this continuation of excess deaths that we're seeing? Well, yeah, um, precisely what you said um, on the one hand. Um, I mean, I, I dismiss those as being unlikely, really, because if you watch John Campbell's own analysis on this, he, he goes into details about what's the cause, you know, what's the medical cause of these excess deaths. And um, they are specific things which, like, are not cancers. Cancers are not rising. So, you know, they're things like um, heart problems and strokes, I think, primarily. So that's one thing we're noticing. The other thing that's very important that he highlights is that this is happening across all age ranges. So it's like healthy people, you know, even very young, you know, 20, people in their 20s, 
they're still being affected by this as much as you know people in their 80s so you know this is way from my little graph i'm, I'm just pointing out the, the broader facts what would my take on it be i've always thought at this stage of the post-pandemic when there's no covid in the figures basically there's only really two plausible possibilities one is i think it's called sequalia in medical terms it's it's basically the the long-term effects of the disease itself so you know there's some something that's happened that's lasting and that's caused permanent damage which you know is not is a perfectly possible explanation i mean if you think about it some viruses actually have that effect anyway i mean the obvious one is aids which actually causes long-term effects that's what it does it doesn't kill you straight away so that is a possibility the other one is to do with the treatments because these are the only two things that were introduced if you like the disease itself and the treatments to the disease yeah the, the long covid question is interesting right because when i wrote the vaccine chapter of the that reported in measuring the mandates i looked at how the office of well actually i say i looked i picked up on professor norman fenton's work on the office of national statistics reporting that non-covid deaths were far higher in the unvaccinated than the vaccinated which is obviously very strange well, you wouldn't you would not expect the the vaccine to be helping with other things. It's so good; it helps you die less of other things in yeah. addition to COVID, right? Um, so, like one way you could explain that is to say, well, the vaccinated are simply much healthier people, right? Like all those unvaccinated slobs, uh, they don't care about their health. They're slurping down cheeseburgers and and all the rest, and and that's why they just can't be bothered to go and get vaccinated. But nobody wants to say that because that would mean every observational study of vaccines, you could just take it and put it in the bin, right? Because you're just measuring two different groups of people. And I don't think there's any indication that the unvaccinated are like unhealthier. So the other explanation I saw rolled out for it was long COVID, okay? The reason the unvaccinated were dying of other health problems is because those health problems really resulted from them catching COVID and are doing really devastating damage to their body that then played out over the long term so like six months a year later they're dying of a heart attack or something mm. the problem with the long covid studies i found was that um they were again based on comparing to similar people so they take people who have never knowingly had covid and compare them to people who got so ill with covid that they had to go to hospital but mm. if you got so ill with covid you had to go to hospital that probably indicates you had pre-existing medical conditions so it's not strange that you might have more health problems or have died or more likely to have died like a year later than someone who either never had covid or had it and just didn't even realize it so the long covid like the the evidential basis for long covid seemed to be really weak or with that um, with that being said obviously like whatever covid is something really nasty can happen to people's bodies and it's not it's not strange to think that might have long-term effects so in that sense there's there's a validity to it i guess but um what I found particularly striking then about the way you've analyzed this by showing this correlation that if that were true, right, you would expect that the higher the vaccination rate in the population, uh, the lower the rate of long COVID deaths because people wouldn't be getting this devastating COVID disease and not having the, the heart attacks a year later from the long-term effects of it. But what your analysis shows is the exact opposite of that, which really sinks the long COVID ship as an account of um, the well, it either means the vaccines are completely ineffective or it means that long COVID is not causing this excess death right now. Firstly, I, I, if I can just do a slightly personal part on it, mm. I, I, I did contract it, uh, the, the original strain right at the start of the pandemic. So it was very extreme what I had. And I'm not an unhealthy person. I mean, I, I was playing football until quite recently. 
it was very, very frightening and caused effects that uh, I've never experienced from any other disease. Um, there's something called happy hypoxia, which I'm pretty sure I had, which is basically where your um, oxygen levels crash and you don't even realize it. Uh, it's like your brain kind of overrides it. And I think there's a lot going on, at this, particularly with that first uh, variant, which was very nasty. I certainly felt it could have been causing me long-term damage and may have done. You know, I don't, I absolutely don't dismiss that. So it's very hard to get to the truth, right, with something like this. What we need is really a study where, you know, a properly independent study where we look at people like me who were unvaccinated and had the disease. We look at people who were unvaccinated and don't think they had the disease. We look at people who are vaccinated and had the disease. Basically, we've got all these groups and we, we study it carefully. Nobody's actually doing this, unfortunately. So I suppose the motivation for me to actually do this at all, because it did take quite a bit of work, is partly to try and answer some of these questions myself. You know, I, I wanted to try and establish to the best of my own ability, which is very limited because I'm not a statistician. Is it more likely that these deaths, these excess deaths are due to vaccine injury or is it more likely they're due to COVID injury? Let's say those two things. Is it vaccine injury or COVID injury? And I would say if it's COVID injury, then I wouldn't expect to see a correlation. I mean, I say this is only first approximation stuff, you know, but why are we seeing this correlation that, that John Campbell is talking about in more general terms, but he's presenting all the evidence in his in his videos. And as I say, he goes into more details about specifics regarding, you know, how people are dying and um, age groups and things like this. And all of it really together points towards an issue with some part of the treatment. And the elephant in the room is, is vaccines.